In Pirate Country and 94.3, the game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3, the game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. An appropriate and uh, somewhat sad introduction to the day's show because, uh, boy, it would have been nice to have gotten that 20-point win last night, wouldn't it? <laughs> Tough night for the Pirates. And uh, we'll get into all of that. It is the Patrick Johnson Show, Hump Day Edition, live on this Wednesday. Uh, got some things to tell you about the show for the remainder of the week. Uh, back tomorrow, looks like Friday, we're going to do a best of. More on that in a little bit and more on everything else going on around uh, Pirate Nation and some Panthers news and uh, everything else. And we'll break down the game from last night. Ben B-Baby Byram producing uh, across the way. So we say hello to him as we always uh, Hey, do. Ben. And right now, uh, as we've promised now for the uh, last few days, we uh, are going to uh, get on the phone here in just a moment with uh, East Carolina's Chancellor, Dr. Uh, Rogers, will be joining us and uh, looking forward to having him on uh, with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. And uh, at this time, uh, let's go to the uh, phones. Uh, lots to talk about. And uh, his first appearance live on the show, Dr. Philip Rogers. Joins us uh, here, Chancellor Rogers. Welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show. And thanks for doing this this afternoon with us live. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Patrick. Great to great to hear from you, and thank you for the invitation. Pleasure to be with you. Well, it's uh, been a busy time for you, a whirlwind. When we talked to you, it was uh, a few months into it. We talked to you on our uh, ECU football pregame, and we aired some of that interview here. And uh, that was uh, really a, a very cool, uh, a very cool thing that day. And it's just good to have you, uh, if you will, live and, and in person. So uh, at least on the phone. So we're gonna we're gonna hammer you with all the big questions now that we got you live. I'm kidding with you, of course, but uh, it is great to have <laughs> you on. All right. So we're up to uh, what time period now since you've taken the job? Oh, let's see. So I started March fifteenth, twenty twenty one. So we're we're closing in on on wrapping up month ten, beginning month eleven, and uh, we'll be celebrating that year anniversary on March the fifteenth. Believe it or not, but you know, for me, it's been going going much longer than that because when you're announced as a new chancellor on uh, December seventeenth of twenty twenty one or of twenty twenty, actually, uh, the role really begins then. So so I've been at it for a good you know, 12 or 15 months here. And, uh, it's really been a, a, an incredible experience to be back with pirate nation back in Greenville, this place that I love so dearly and, and doing the very best that we can to make a big impact, uh, on Eastern North Carolina and our state and beyond. Chancellor Rogers. I think a lot of people, uh, certainly know the story of you being in Greenville. Hank Kenton, by the way, was telling me what a tennis star you was, I think, or were, and I think he wants you, uh, on the court sometime, by the way, that he, he mentioned that right before we started the show here. He said, uh, "Tell Philip I want him on the court." So, <laughs> but well, uh, I've, I've heard that from a lot of a lot of people, and uh, the the job and the nature of the scheduling has made it a little bit more difficult to get out on the tennis court as much as I'd like. But I, I hope I still I hope I still got it and can get out there and uh, can play with some of these guys on a regular basis more I, often here. I think you I think you'll be fine. I think you'll be fine. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, here we are. Uh, the, for those that don't know, I mean, you have roots in this community. 
Uh, it's a university that uh, you you practically uh, grew up around, and that was, I'm sure, a big appeal uh, to the job. But but I think it's a good place to maybe start with that story for for listeners who may not know, you know, the full story of uh, of Philip Rogers. Well, a- absolutely. the 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 family tradition of East Carolina University among the Rogers goes go back very far. Uh, I am very fortunate to be um, in the third or fourth generation of pirates. Uh, among the Rogers extended family, my great grandmother was a graduate of the uh, one of the early graduates of East Carolina Teachers Training School. My uh, own mother, my wife, uh, many many other family members, uh, too many to count, are uh, proud pirates. And so, uh, to say that I, I grew up uh, in this community dedicated to East Carolina University, really living and breathing the mission of this institution, and being on the receiving end of the many benefits and uh, value-added opportunities that it brings to to young people growing up in eastern North Carolina would be a huge understatement because I like to think of myself as one of the products of this community and uh, of this institution. And so um, it was uh, it was a no-brainer for me to go into higher education. And uh, when I started my career, I was uh, at the School of Government in Chapel Hill and then made my way uh, back home east to take on a role as policy analyst here at East Carolina University. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as it goes in times of uh, financial distress, my role grew and grew and grew because we had fewer resources at the institution to hire additional people. And so for a period of three or four years in my first tour of duty at ECU, I I served as policy analyst, uh, state relations officer, which is essentially the university's legislative liaison to the state and federal government and chief of staff. And so that's where I like to say I earned most of my gray hairs. I worked on my doctorate degree at the same time and and, and then made an intentional decision to, to leave the institution to go expand my horizons on the national level, build a lot of experience, and what a wonderful opportunity is to, to come back and to be able to leverage that experience I had in Washington, D.C. at the American Council mm-hmm. on Education and apply it to an institution that's given so much back to me over time. East Carolina's 12th chancellor is Dr. Philip Rogers and uh, Chancellor Rogers with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. It's our first opportunity uh, to talk to him in this uh, 5 o'clock drive time setting uh, live, and we're very happy to be uh, doing that here uh, this afternoon. Uh, Chancellor, let me ask you a little bit about, in this 10 months now, heading into the uh, 11th month, what are some of the big things that you feel like uh, you've been able to enact? And then what are some of the uh, goals as you come up on, on one year as you look forward to, to the second year and beyond? Well, we've we've certainly had a busy uh, 10 to 12 months here since I, I started the job. And, and one of the things that I uh, talked about in my very first news conference, um, my first day as, as chancellor, was being able to uh, navigate the COVID and, and pandemic environment in a successful way. And it continues to to move um, on a series of bell curves across uh, the different months that we uh, have been operating here. Interestingly, it, it seems like the virus knows when a new semester is going to start and <laughs> tends to create a new variant about the time that we're ready to bring students back to campus. So it seems like the beginning of almost every semester that I've been a part of here uh, as chancellor at ECU, we have been uh, working overtime uh, to navigate the impact of, of COVID-19 on our campus community. And that runs the gamut among a, a number of different things, from the academic setting to the student success aspects of what we do to just the everyday uh, engagements of academic and student life to providing health care to the underserved. Uh, this this pandemic has been uh, quite a challenge for higher education across the board. And so 
that's been front and center um, almost every single day. I, I spoke with President Hans recently, and we both remarked about how it feels like every conversation that we have across uh, the respective institutions within the University of North Carolina system um, have to do with COVID in some form or fashion. And so that has been front and center in, in all that we've done over the last 10 to 10 to 12 months. Obviously, ECU Health has been mm-hmm. uh, a major, major priority as we've uh, started my new, new administration here. And uh, advancing rural health care in eastern North Carolina is an imperative for this institution. That It directly con- connects to our uh, mission-focused area of regional transformation and public service. And so uh, uh, that was a no-brainer uh, when we stepped into this role and have been focused very intently on that. Of course, athletics has been uh, top of mind. I have loved being a part of that community and celebrating the many successes we've had over the last year. And, of course, we turned uh, very quickly to all of the many uh, student success and access priorities that we have from this for this institution that range from uh, creating the right enrollment mix to making sure we're leveraging the appropriate digital technologies to uh, advance the areas of student success and access and, and many, many others that are required to be a, a transformative public four-year in university uh, in the higher education market today. So uh, we, we've been busy uh, and we've yeah. been proud <laughs> of the accomplishments uh, over the last few months here. Dr. Rogers, we'll delve into some of those topics uh, specifically but you uh, invoke the name of uh, Peter Hans, who's the president of the UNC system. Uh, I- I'm sure a great relationship has been uh, built between you and, and Peter, but it also seems like uh, between yourself, someone who gets this part of the world and understands this university and also is equipped to lead it uh, to new heights, but also having a-, a partner with the university system president who I think really also gets East Carolina University. And we can't always say that about, uh, you know, that that governing body at times. But uh, I I think he and the members of it now really have a clear vision of where ECU fits in the university system. Is that that an accurate observation? It, it's a very accurate observation, Patrick, and and it runs up and down the board of our entire university governance infrastructure. It feels that, that we're all operating as one team. We're speaking with one voice, and we understand what our mission is, first and foremost, in student success, public service, regional transformation, and that we're, we're moving forward together in an aligned way. And so, uh, you know, that includes the Board of Governors. It includes uh, the incredible partner we have in, in Peter Hans, who is one of ECU's biggest fans, uh, I've known him for, for quite a long time. He understands our mission. He gets the importance of Eastern North Carolina. Uh, he gets the importance of ECU to Eastern North Carolina and the role that we play in this state. Uh, he's a huge proponent of our priorities. Uh, we have a, a, a terrific board of trustees that uh, is, is operating as a collective unit uh, that understands the priorities that we're trying to pursue. And then you've, you put into the mix our, uh, our talented faculty and staff and the, the governance leaders in those spaces and the students and the way that they are working uh, to drive our, our mission forward. Um, it, it feels like everybody's pulling together in the same direction, and that's what we need in order to be successful here at ECU. Dr. Rogers, uh, you, you've talked about COVID. I think, uh, boy, what a what a unique time to to enter uh, the job as chancellor at, at ECU or anywhere for that matter. Uh, and that has been the challenge. And as you uh, most aptly noted, it seems like every time a new semester starts, we have a flare up with with some form of uh, a variant or uh, some incarnation of the of the virus. 
Uh, as far as, you know, how you feel like this academic year has gone thus far and how the new semester has gone thus far dealing with COVID, I, I know one of our former interns, I was talking with her briefly last night. She's wrapping up uh, things for her degree uh, in the to be completed in the spring, and she was just excited to be kind of back in the classroom for those final classes of her, of her senior year. So I, I'm just curious to, you know, how you see – you know, that balance continuing because uh, one of the things that, that makes any university experience or college experience unique is is campus life. So that, that seems like it's a, a bit of a, a precarious and delicate balance still. Well, it's a consistent theme when we talk with all of our different stakeholders within the institution, ranging from parents to students to faculty to staff. They simply want to be together, and people recognize that we we can advance our mission in a more effective way when we're doing it in person and we're engaged in learning and living and social opportunities uh, on our campus uh, in the way that pirates do. And so we're in the second week of classes, and if you've had a chance to walk around our campus over the last couple of weeks, you can feel the energy uh, in the classrooms. You can feel the energy walking around the campus mall and through the main campus student center. There's a lot of activity uh, that's unfolding. I had the opportunity to attend four classes uh, last week, did an accounting class, a math education class, and uh, of course, the one that would have likely tanked my GPA would be the chemistry class among uh, among one other. And uh, so, you know, students are happy to be back. They were engaged. They were complying with our community standards. They were wearing their masks. Uh, we have spring sports that are in full swing. Uh, a lot of these normal activities uh, that we're used to, including Polar Bear Plunge tomorrow night, where uh, I'll join uh, Cliff Godwin and a couple of other folks and perhaps a lack of judgment in jumping into a freezing <laughs> cold pool on one of the coldest nights of the year. So right. uh, we're, we're, we're trying to keep some of these traditions alive. We're, we're in the heat of the battle. We're at the center of the surge like the rest of the country is, but we've been here before. And you know, Delta was a major, major challenge, the Delta variant. We powered through that because of the great work and the great commitment of our all of our faculty and staff and students that were following our community expectations. And, and we're going to be leveraging some of those same mitigation strategies that we employed last semester. You know, I think it's important when you're, uh, when you're in a winning position in the game that you don't change your game plan. And so masks and reentry testing and staying close to our local health officials like John Silvernell, the, the public health director, who's a great partner, and, and really letting our, our health experts on our campus lead the way. We have some great medical and uh, health professionals uh, within our Birdie School of Medicine and, and other places that are being good uh, leads and uh, advisors to us. And so I think our best hope at this point is that this peak begins to hit sometime late January, early February. Um, and uh, we know we're going to see lots of cases. We're experiencing it right now. We're experiencing high positivity rates, but we're doing okay on our, our quarantine and isolation space. We've got uh, good numbers in terms of uh, vaccinated students, staff, uh, faculty, and the whole campus community. Uh, we can always do better in that space, but we've made a lot of headway, and, and we're staying the course. Uh, we've, we've made the decision to come back face-to-face -to, -face, uh, to leverage a, a precision management strategy on a course-by-course -course basis, and so uh, we're, we're pausing individual classes for one class period at a time if necessary, but otherwise uh, we're 100% we're in on, on the face-to-face -face, uh, academic delivery model this semester uh, as best as possible. Chancellor Rogers, let's uh, talk enrollment. Uh, what was it uh, at the beginning of the semester? And then 
when will you have an idea of you know how many students return to campus or or return to ECU from the fall to spring semester? Well, there there may not be another topic for ECU, uh, Patrick, or or frankly any other institution of higher learning in America uh, that's more challenging right now, or or frankly requires more of our collective attention than than the enrollment space, and that's at every level. And I do think it helps to have some national context here because we're we're seeing what many campuses across America are seeing. It's going to be a couple uh, couple more days here so at some point in next week when we're going to know what the spring looks like. Uh, we we've wrapped up our fall 2021 enrollment cycle uh, with just over 28,000 students, and many of the trends that we saw this past fall in the enrollment cycle were pretty consistent with what uh, we're seeing across the country. If you take a look at any of the national surveys of university leaders right now, including the one that I launched during my time at the American Council on Education, the data quite consistently show that enrollment, looking across all sectors of higher education, that topic alone ranks in the top three to five most pressing issues for institutions today, and it's been a a steady ranking over the last year. And I think perhaps uh, at least in my mind, uh, in the in the geographical location where we are right now, the most challenging issue uh, that we're seeing is the demographic shift in in higher education. We often call it the enrollment cliff, where we're anticipating significantly fewer high school students entering the pipeline uh, for higher education. We're seeing many fewer uh, people between the traditional college ages of 18 and, and 24 uh, who are, are not moving through the pipeline. And when you have an institution like ECU, where more than 20% of our enrollment uh, comes from counties where the number of 18 to 24-year-olds is projected to, to decline over the coming years, right. uh, that's a recipe for having to be very strategic and thoughtful and, and pushing ourselves to develop more more out-of-the-box and innovative strategies as we're operating in a very competitive market for, for students across the state of North Carolina and some of those bordering uh, states around the country. And so we've got, a, we've got quite an aggressive fall 2022 strategy that's being deployed as we speak. Um, battling these demographic shifts and, and the tides that are turning are, uh, are going to take time. Uh, they're going to take collective time and collective attention across our, our entire campus. And, and so we're investing a, a number of uh, one-time recurring resources to, to impact some of those yield strategies that we need to turn the tide. We're, we're really focusing a lot of our time and attention on some of those high-demand uh, market-driven programs. So think what nursing and criminal justice uh, as areas where we, w- we want to see some of the numbers be able to, to drive up on the right. enrollment side. And then, mm-hmm. of course, if you're uh, if you're really focused in the higher education space, you know that adult learners are moving as a market segment that we're really going to have to capture uh, to be competitive in the future. And there's 30 million of those in America today. There's a million in North Carolina that we have an opportunity to take advantage of. And we know they're less likely to enroll full-time. We know they're more likely to enroll online. And so ECU, who's had a, a long-standing uh, position as the state's leader in online learning. We're ranked sixth nationally. Uh, that's an area where we're going to spend a lot of time focusing on, on exploring online expansion, growing and protecting our market share there, and, and trying to capture a transfer market uh, uh, in a very uh, challenging demographic time. So uh, we think we have a good plan, uh, but we know that the, the cards are stacked against 
American higher education right now in the enrollment space, and we're working on how we can power through that uh, power through that wall and come out on the other side in a in a productive way. ECU Chancellor Dr. Philip Rogers is with us uh, this afternoon here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, a couple of things as it pertains to uh, ECU Health, but also uh, a brand new potentially uh, Brody School of Medicine. Uh, that new building, uh, the funding has been approved from that out of the General Assembly. Uh, what is the what are the next steps with that towards making that a reality? Because again, ECU is one of those uh, institutions where a lot of doctors that stay in the state of North Carolina went to ECU Med School. Absolutely, uh, you know, perhaps one of the largest investments, if not the largest investment, in a capital facility east of I ninety five. $215 million uh, to construct a new facility for the Brody School of Medicine. And uh, it's going to have a huge economic impact on, on the state of North Carolina, on the advancement of rural health care, and on our ability to uh, expand our medical school class size. You know, we're operating uh, in and around 80, 85 students at our medical school uh, on an annual basis. And we have authority and approval from the UNC Board of Governors to grow up to 120 students. Mm-hmm. And, you know, increasing by 35 or 40 students makes a a huge impact on the service and care and delivery and clinical opportunities that we'll be able to provide to the state uh, through the the advancement of more physicians, uh, especially uh, family medicine practitioners, primary care, and those individuals who will go out and and practice in underserved areas of our state. And so um, we're really excited about the prospects of getting this building um, uh, coming out of the ground here at the earliest opportunity, uh, we've got a planning team that's working together to work on the design parameters of it, and we'll be moving through a bidding process to identify the uh, right designers and the construction teams that can come in and, and make this vision a reality uh, for a new facility for the Brody School of Medicine. And it couldn't come at a more perfect time than when we've signed this joint operating agreement for uh, ECU Health. I mean, it really was um, uh terrific that both the new Brody School of Medicine building and ECU Health were essentially approved on the same day. And you talked about the alignment of the governance infrastructure moving forward. When you have the Pitt County Commissioners, the ECU Board of Trustees, both Vidant Health Boards and the Board of Governors, along with the Chancellor, the CEO of Vidant Health, and the President of the University System, all uh, being able to advance a priority like ECU Health Forward uh, together at the same time, uh, you know you're moving in the right direction. And so we are, we're just thrilled to be able to see uh, a journey that started more than 40 years ago to bring a medical school to ECU and to affiliate it with our local teaching hospital uh, come to fruition through, through these efforts. You, you mentioned ECU Health there. Certainly that would warrant a, a follow-up, but I want to be cognizant of uh, the time we have with you, and I want to I touch on some other topics. Uh, as far as I know, you'd kind of engaged on uh, a listening tour and, and actually getting out in the Eastern North Carolina community. We talked to you back in the fall about uh, what a hub ECU is, not only for uh, Greenville and, and jobs, but you know, for really the entire East. It's a real anchor uh, institution, but also anchor uh, job generator and creator with with the jobs it has, and then the jobs it kind of spawns. Uh, as a result of being here, so uh, could you could you speak a little bit to that? Sure. Well, there's there's no doubt that ECU provides a huge economic impact and a and a 
incredible return on investment to the people of, of North Carolina. You think about the billions of dollars that uh, that goes back into the state economy each year because of the, the work of East Carolina University, and you, you pair that with the fact that our location gives us the unique opportunity for almost every part of our campus to be a community resource in some way. We're the, the top producer of educators among North Carolina four-year institutions. We're the top producer of, of new nurses that are desperately needed right now, maybe more than any other field, given the impact of the pandemic. We started there earlier. And you, you think about the opportunity to take the brand of East Carolina University and to place it on all of these hospitals throughout eastern North Carolina. We'll be revealing that brand uh, some point at some point this spring, and you'll start to see tangible uh, examples of ECU Health, uh, that purple uh, across the, the many different healthcare uh, facilities in eastern North Carolina begin to come to life. And so we're, we're really proud of the impact that we can make. And that doesn't even begin to touch on ECU's research and innovation campus, our Intersect East project, the, the work of uh, launching our new life sciences and biotechnology mm-hmm. building, right. the Miller School of Entrepreneurship, the Isley Innovation Hub, and I could go on and on about how we bring uh, so many valuable uh, attributes to this community, including the arts, theater, music, dance, and, and many other things to our region. So we're an anchor institution, and we intend to continue to be that as a part of our mission. The announcement today, a record gift to EC Scholars as uh, Bernie Warren pledges an eight-figure gift to that program. Uh, for those that maybe are unfamiliar with EC Scholars, uh, what does that do, and, and how important is this record gift for that program? Well, Bernie's just a great, great pirate. Uh, he is uh, fully committed to East Carolina University, and he and his family have been long-term contributors and supporters of our institution, and he has a, a place in his heart for uh, the Honors College and the East Carolina, uh, the EC Scholars Program. And so th- these are the types of transformative gifts that allow us to be uh, competitive with some of the highest quality, uh, most competitive students in the state of North Carolina that we want to come to East Carolina University. Sometimes uh, a, a scholarship of this level can make the difference in being able to recruit top talent to ECU, keep them in Greenville and Pitt County, um, and ensure that we're, we're graduating some of the best students in our state. And it takes resources to be able to do that. And so it's a perfect example of the type of impact we want to make through uh, the uh, comprehensive fundraising campaign that we've launched publicly within the last couple of months here, $500 million. And uh, I feel quite confident uh, that uh, the gift that Bernie and his family have made is just the beginning of many more you'll see uh, coming out into the public in the coming weeks. Mr. Chancellor, uh, athletics, as far as par- far as uh, its role in, e- in ECU, we are a sports show after all. Uh, so I, I was curious to sort of uh, get your perspective on that. You know, there's the, the belief it is the front porch of the university. How do you see athletics in the overall strategy of East Carolina University? Well, you, we we started with, uh, you know, the my journey and uh, my tr- travel and trip back to East Carolina University, and and I would uh, be remiss if I didn't admit that one of the great benefits of being back at ECU is our rich athletics tradition. We we all have our own pirate athletics story. It's uh, athletics and sports have been an important part of my own life, uh, growing up here in Greenville, growing up in the Greenville community, and I. 
and I anticipate they'll be a part of my own children's lives. Uh, we were at the basketball game last night, and I was proud of my six-year-old who was chanting along with the students as the as the team was playing and uh, seeing him grow up in the same way that I did uh, in this community to to be able to embrace pirate athletics is is really important. It's you know John Gilbert and I talk all the time. It's not the most important aspect of our university, but it is often the most visible and. It's a part of the institution that creates community. It creates energy all throughout eastern North Carolina and all throughout this state. And I think through our programs over the last year, we've really seen this athletics program come back to life in ways that, that we're all very proud of. And so we're, I think we're moving in the right direction under John, under his team. We've got, we've got fantastic coaches and you know, even more importantly uh, than performance on the field, is that work that our student athletes are doing in the classroom. Uh, they're leading with integrity. And I think Pirate Nation has a lot to be excited about with respect to the, the momentum that we're seeing uh, in this part of our university. I know you have to go soon, but I just wanted to ask with uh, the new conference members announced, the departing members uh, making their announcement now, uh, the, the institution six that will be replacing them. Uh, when you look at the American Athletic Conference going forward, are you pretty comfortable with where that conference is going to head now? And as far as ECU and its athletics budget, it seems like it is more, in other words, this this remaining group seems to be budgetarily all in the same sort of neighborhood. There's nobody doubling up anybody, per se. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling very confident about the direction of the American Athletic Conference. I've spent a lot of time with Mike Oresco and my uh, my colleagues, fellow presidents, as a part of that. Uh, uh, the many conversations we've been having in that space. We're bringing in six great institutions. Uh, they're they're all established in major metro areas. They're they're all making strong investments in in competing at the highest level uh, with respect to the future of their athletics programs. They have high ambition for for national academic success and you know they're i think they're valuable inventory to our media rights partners i think we've we've seen that in action uh with the confidence that espn has placed in us and in these six new schools that are that are coming on board with us and and from an academic perspective you know you've got an, an r1 and national healthcare leader and in, in uab you've got an in-state partner a uh, potential regional rival in, in Charlotte, uh, a couple of Texas schools there that are coming in who are uh, similar in size to us, Rice with a you know, top 20 academic institution. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of value in uh, the direction that uh, we've taken here, and we'll, we'll continue to watch where the dominoes fall in terms of you know, when we see Texas and Oklahoma making their move to the, the SEC, and, of course, when we see the three schools that are leaving the ACC to join the Big 12 uh, coinciding with that move and uh, look forward to welcoming them into the into the conference here in the near future. Mr. Chancellor, thank you so much for the time uh, and uh, certainly not out of topics, but uh, we appreciate the time you've allotted with us here and hope you'll come back. Uh, let's not make it 10 months. Let's, let's make it a little sooner, hopefully, but uh, always great to speak with you and continue great work. Well, I'm, I, I, it's always great to be here, Patrick, and I have to tell you, uh, 
watching that Memphis win on Saturday night, uh, you know, I'll never hear the words holy mackerel again without <laughs> thinking about you uh, because that was maybe one of the most exciting moments in our in our basketball program in a long time. And uh, it was a great call, uh, a great win, and um, it's always exciting to, to see some success uh, in the basketball front there. And so uh, thanks for what you're doing to, uh, to advance our interest in ECU athletics and our institution in general, and I, I hope you'll invite me back soon. Looking yep. forward to being with you again. Looking forward to having you on. And uh, again, uh, if there's anything we ever need to do, please let us know. Thank you so much. Great to speak with you. And thank you for the nice words. Thanks, Patrick. Take care. All right. There he goes. Uh, really like uh, Philip Rogers. What a class act. And uh, a lot of ground covered there. Uh, you know, obviously more than athletics, but uh, he's a big sports fan. And, and maybe we can get him on uh, sooner and, and talk a little I more can about tell there in. Well, he was a, he was a ball boy for the basketball team. So I mean, he's he's a guy that really likes. He's got experience. He's a guy that really likes basketball. So, all right, um, we're going to break here. We're going to come back. We got to talk about last night. <laughs> I'd rather talk about something like we had at Memphis or against Memphis, but uh, we'll break. We'll return, and um, we'll do an update when we come back. So uh, we'll toss it over to Ben, and uh, kind of reset the final half hour of the show after this timeout on the PJ Show. You can log on to the brand new 943thegame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today. The brand new 943thegame.com. You are dismissed. Are you ready for a new career? An amazing company chose Greenville to be the home of their nationwide contact center. Victra is the largest independent retailer for one of the nation's largest cellular providers. And Victra's Greenville contact center is growing rapidly. Victra is now hiring multiple positions for consumer sales, business-to-business sales, retail store support, customer care, and operations support. Benefits include incredible commission potential, paid face-to-face training, medical, dental, vision, paid time off, a 50% discount on your wireless bill, access to wages prior to payday, and 401k matching. Victra is now hiring both full and part-time positions, and top performers earn $25 to $28 an hour. All of their sales and service opportunities are inbound only. No outbound cold calls, no telemarketing. You will earn top dollar for every sale you make while working in a fun environment with a team of motivated professionals. Visit pit-jobs.com to apply now. You could set an alert on your phone to remind you about a doctor's visit. But the most effective reminders are a bit more personal. Mom, don't forget to schedule your mammogram. We love you. Honey, please, schedule that colonoscopy. We need you around here, all right? It's time to put your health first and schedule important annual screenings like mammograms and colonoscopies with Vitant Health. COVID-19 protocols are in place, and it's as safe as ever to partner with us to improve your health and well-being. Schedule your appointment today. Learn more at VitantHealth.com slash reminder. There have been many changes in the automotive world. At Phelps Chevrolet, the Phelps boys are here to take care of you. Mike, Daryl, and four of Mr. Phelps' grandsons, Wade, Wes, Allen, and Clay. You see, things at Phelps remain the same. The Phelps team has served Eastern North Carolina for over 50 years. We make your visit easy and fun. We are your neighbors, and that's what neighbors do. Phelps Chevrolet in Greenville. Like Mr. Phelps' great-granddaughter says, come in and get you one. Are you tired of living with chronic pain, knee pain, joint pain? 
Listen carefully because now there are new treatments available here. Not talking surgery or steroids, these are regenerative treatments from the medical professionals at QC Kinetics. Hi, this is Patrick Johnson. QC Kinetics is the leader in these exciting biologic therapies that help restore and repair damaged tissue in your joints with lasting results. If you've got pain in your knees, shoulders, hip, or back, joint pain that won't go away, you need to check out these treatments with astonishing patient satisfaction reports. They can actually help your body restore and repair itself with no downtime, no drugs, or no surgery. Don't go through another year with that awful joint pain, and don't let them put you under the knife. You need to learn more about how biologic therapies are changing the way we think about dealing with joint pain. Call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation. 252-756-PAIN. That's 252-756-7246. 252-756-PAIN. right. Pirate Baseball lives right here. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. Super Skypoint is our guy, uh, Ricky Cobb would say, from at Super 70 Sports. Ron Franklin, booming great voice, ESPN football and basketball announcer, has uh, died at the age of 79. He was uh, behind the mic for the Pirate Peach Bowl win, one of ECU's conference championships in CUSA in football. He called that game. So, uh, Ron Franklin, uh, by all accounts, a really good guy and uh, a really talented broadcaster, has... Uh, Moved to the great beyond uh, at uh, the age of 79. All right, Ben Byram uh, with a sports update for you, and uh, then we'll have a recap of everything that went uh, down and went wrong last night. Here's Ben. Thanks, Patrick. We start with a look at what's happened around Pirate Nation and Pirate Basketball suffered their first loss at home last night, falling to the UCF Knights 92-85. At one point in the second half, the Pirates led by 20, but veteran guard play for UCF and poor perimeter defense for ECU allowed the Knights to rally back and get the win. Here's what head coach Joe Dooley had to say after the game about the loss. Uh, really disappointing. Yeah, that's, that's about the summation of what you could say. I've got to give Central for great credit for coming back and uh, being a little bit resilient. And uh, you know we've we've got to coach them better to finish out games when you get a lead on how to make sure you get some stops and make sure that we value possessions. We, we turned it over way too much. We hadn't done that much this year, and uh, you know, that's a that's a hard one to swallow. Pirates look to bounce back this Saturday as they battle 10th-ranked Houston. That game has a 6 o'clock tip-off and can be watched on ESPN2. Meanwhile, ECU women's basketball is back in action as they host the Temple Owls. That game is scheduled for 6 o'clock tip-off inside Minji's Coliseum. For local high school hoops, J.H. Rose's basketball games against Aiden Griffin today have been canceled. The Rampant's originally scheduled matchup against Havelock set for Friday has been moved up to tomorrow and will be varsity only. And Parrot Academy has changed their tip-off times for their scheduled matchups against Grace Christian. Varsity girls start at 4, while varsity boys will start at 5.30. From college football, former five-star recruit and Georgia quarterback JT Daniels has officially entered the transfer portal. And ex-TCU head coach Gary Patterson will join Steve Sarkeesian's coaching staff at Texas as a special assistant to the head coach. And wrapping up from the NFL, the Carolina Panthers are front runners along with the Broncos and Steelers to grab Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins in a trade, according to The Athletic. Former Panthers linebacker Luke Keekley has been named a Legends captain 
at this year's Pro Bowl. Eagles GM Howie Roseman has stated publicly that he expects Jalen Hurts to be the starter at quarterback for the 2022 season. Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry has passed all his contact tests in practice and is expected to be a full go for their matchup this Saturday against the Bengals. Tampa Bay head coach Bruce Arians has been fined $50,000 for striking one of his own players in their wild card game against the Eagles. And the Seattle Seahawks have fired defensive coordinator Ken Norton Jr. That's going to do it for your 94 through the game sports update. I'm Ben Barham. And Pirates. Oh, there, Panthers. Go, baby. This is Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties, Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is Tim Sutton with Greenville Auto World. When it comes to vehicle maintenance, we know you have a lot of options. It's hard to find a reliable and honest auto repair shop. That's where we come in. Greenville Auto World with a commitment to providing our customers with honest quality service at reasonable prices. Greenville Auto World has one of the most state-of-the-art repair facilities available in eastern North Carolina. Our technology, education, expertise provides you with the best care imaginable. For an appointment, call us at Greenville Auto World on Charles Boulevard at 364-8730. Do you own a timeshare? Well, face the facts. You made a mistake. You made a bad purchase. A timeshare is not an investment. It's a money pit that continues forever. If you use your timeshare, that's great. But if you don't and you want to legally get out of your contract, call my friends right now at the Timeshare Exit Hotline. They're an experienced team of lawyers who help good people like you get out of a timeshare contract that they just don't want. Don't throw away your money on maintenance fees. Use it for things you really want. We can help you end your timeshare contract and stop the money drain immediately. If you are ready to move on with your timeshare, call our team right now. Cancel your timeshare now with a free call. 800-289-0413. 800-289-0413. That's 800-289-0413. Like us on Facebook for breaking sports stories and the latest from around the Pirate Nation. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's 94.3 The Game's Facebook page. Like us and follow us there today. Saw some uh, really bad news. Uh, A company here, a manufacturing plant in Greenville, has announced it's closing its doors by next year. In fact, they're going to start to lay off people in July. Uh, Denzo, 
And, uh, but you just feel for, especially when, I mean, you had our president on today in a press conference babbling on. I mean, this was by all accounts. I mean, even people that are Biden supporters have written me today and, and said this was just a, a nightmare. It just, it's a, it, in some ways, I mean, the economy in, in a lot of respects is succeeding in spite of itself, in spite of the fact that Washington doesn't appear to be working for anybody right now. And so you just hope that this is not a precursor of things to come as far as job loss in our community and, and around the nation. The good news is in something like this, we've had a pretty innovative company recently make their home in Greenville. They've set down roots here. And look, maybe you're somebody over at the QVC plant that burnt down. They're not going to reopen that. You're looking for a job. Maybe you're, or you know someone that is at Denso that is looking for a job or will be looking for a job. This is a place you might want to consider Victra. It's the largest independent retailer for one of the nation's largest cellular providers. Their nationwide contact center is here in Greenville now. And that contact center is growing by leaps and bounds. I mean, we get updates out of that period. I mean, it seems like almost daily the numbers are jumping. Victra is hiring multiple positions, consumer sales, business-to-business sales, retail store support, customer care and operations support, and benefits include incredible commission potential. They're going to train you, and when they train you, they're going to pay you. You're going to get such things as uh, medical, dental, vision, vacay time, paid time off, Access to wages prior to payday, 401k matching. You'll even get 50% off your wireless bill. Victra is hiring both full and part-time positions. And if you're a top performer with Victra, you can earn as much as $28 an hour. Yeah, I've said this before. That was like my first weekly or two-week check in radio was like 28 bucks. It was more than that, but it's pretty close. 28 bucks sounds good right about now. <laughs> it I'm does. Love that. Like 28 an hour? Come on. Well, all of their sales and service opportunities are inbound only. This is Victor I'm speaking about here. No outbound cold, cold calls, no telemarketing. You'll earn top dollar for every sale you make while working in a fun environment with a team of motivated professionals. I'm going to give you the web address here. You can apply online right now. You can also learn more for Victra. It's Pitt County. So it's pit-jobs.com. Pitt is in Pitt County-jobs.com for Victra. Let's do the pirate report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. We've gotten no word exactly on the extent of Brandon Suggs, I guess, ankle injury. It was a pretty gnarly deal. I stepped on someone's foot. It was so bad we never got to see the replay of it on the tube last night. Did you see it happen? I did see it happen. It not good. Yeah, it, it didn't look good. I, did you squirm a little when it happened? I didn't squirm. Okay. I didn't squirm, but it definitely didn't look good. I, I think the fact that he was able to return to the bench maybe that's some that positive mir- news. Kind of miraculous. Yeah, maybe that's something to hang your hat on there. Uh. I'm not, I'm not telling, t- telling tales outside of school here. I'm not giving any privileged information, I don't think. All right, all right. But I was walking to a super secret restroom. Shatner, pause there. I was walking to a super secret restroom at halftime because with the bigger crowds, 
the normal restroom I might hit, not that anybody needs to know my bathroom habits, but the normal restroom I might hit for a quick, you know, bathroom break. Because you don't want to, sometimes you just go for the bathroom break at halftime because you don't want to be stuck late in the game and need one. And so, you also get up, walk around a little bit. And I go last night to my super secret spot for a little bathroom break. All right, all right. I see J.J. Miles. You're probably wondering where the hell this is going. I see J.J. Miles there in the hall talking to some guy that looks like Lil Wayne. And so I'm like. Wait, was Lil Wayne there? I don't know. I, and I, I, like, I, I, I said, J.J., what the heck are you doing? I'm just, you know, J.J. told me what he was doing. He answered my questions. So I was like, all right. <laughs> and I, then he was, you know, giving me a hard time. I said, look, what, what's the deal? What, how's your name? That's what his injury is. He said, well, it's doing good. So when are you going to be back? And J.J. believes he'll be back this weekend. Really? That's, that's straight from J.J. Miles. I, I'm not, I, don't, I hope I'm not telling tells outside of school. But, and look, he might be you know, out for a little longer. They don't want to rush him back. I know he wants to get back. Certainly could have used just you know, his shooting, but also just his length on defense last night oh, absolutely. against UCF. Pirates led by 20. And it turned around. Which cut? Did you play the first cut? Uh, yes. Okay. So, the Pirate defense, I thought, was really good and active in the first half. They moved the ball beautifully in the first half. I mean, Absolutely. They yeah. had a couple of possessions. The way they moved the basketball, it was really some, some pretty basketball to watch. And then, this is Joe Dooley afterwards. Because, I, look, I've never seen a team, Ben, that went from – I mean, UCF looked like they had never met one another for like 35 minutes of that game. They wanted to fight each other. They did. And then all of a sudden, they couldn't miss. They started to move the ball. They really looked good extending the defense. That bothered ECU. So this is Joe Dooley on the assessment of his team's defense after uh, blowing that 20-point lead and losing in overtime last night. You know, they were two for 20 against South Florida the other day. And, you know, statistically, you know, statistically, you're, you know, you're playing the numbers. And I, I, I didn't think we did a great job of contesting. But they also hit a couple, you know, Johnson hit a couple from real deep range. I, you know, Mahan statistically is a great shooter. But I think a lot of it's attributed. They sold the ball going through the basket. Our defensive closeouts weren't like they need. So I think it was a combination of both probably. They were 15 of 30 shooting the three. They hit 11 in the second half. Uh, I think losing Suggs was the key turning point in the game last night because you look, he had seven points, five rebounds, five assists, but he was all over the floor. He was great on defense. He was doing the things to make it tough on the perimeter players. Uh, he was all over Mayhan. Mayhan had struggled coming in. And then he also moves. It's like Hondo Havlicek. He just moves constantly. Absolutely. Google it, Ben. He's, he, he's just a constant movement. What is that, hockey players? And he cuts with purpose. He doesn't cut just to go through the offense. He cuts wanting the ball to score. Yeah. And so he's a constant. When Suggs is going good, all of those things, and he was really going good last night. He was doing other things. He was great on defense, doing other things and scoring. I, I thought that's when the game kind of flipped, when Suggs had that ankle injury, as we mentioned. So this is uh, Coach Dooley on losing Suggs. And uh, he was asked uh, if that was something that maybe stymied the momentum or a turning point. I did, but I mean, we, we, when, you, when you're up 66-50, and you, you, 
know, nine, nine and a half minutes left, you've got to be able to to, to uh, sustain that. I mean, it, it, you know, RJ had a good game and we plugged him in there. I know I'd, we're a little short on the perimeter, but that's that's part of it. we got to guard. You can't go up that many points in the second half in your building. He's right, but I still think Brandon Suggs losing him hurt really defensively, and it did hurt offensively because Suggs was doing things movement-wise that made it tough. Well, he's always had a really good defensive presence. I think he's got one of the better defensive presences on this team when you lose him. I mean, you just saw it on defense automatically. It automatically took a dive. Vance Jackson struggled last night. Of course, 27 for Tristan Newton, but Jackson, who had just been named to the AAC honor roll, just two points and did not make a field goal. Joe Dooley on that. Yeah, he, we we need to get more shots, and we missed him a couple on some things. Try to get some shots going for him. Thought they also did a good job of getting him off the line and in the crowd. And when he dribbled it, um, you know, he had a couple of turnovers early. Where you know we probably could have just caught it and shot. But we need to do a better job. So that's on me and, and on our guys. We got to get him more shots. Let's talk about the final play of regulation where they were going to let Tristan go one on one. Joe Dooley on how that kind of materialized, and obviously Tristan took a really really kind of tough and forced shot, and it went to OT. I was hoping we could get downhill. They did a good job of jamming it up. Uh, you know, I didn't want to call a timeout late. I probably maybe could have. Um, you know, Tristan, I, I thought we were going to try to get downhill. We were in the bonus, so we are trying to, you know, sometimes they don't defend as, as well when, you know, you don't have a, when you're in the bonus. But the uh, guy did a great job guarding him. He couldn't get around him. I mean, he took a tough one. So I, if I could do it again, I might have called a timeout. If you do it again, I might not have called the timeout. I, you know, just one of those things when, you, when it doesn't go in, you probably wish you did, but um, we didn't want to let them reset their defense. And um, it's, you know, it's, it is what it is. Uh, Coach Dooley and our pirate report on uh, this game is a learning experience. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 go ahead. I mean, it's, 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 it sounds, you know, coach speak, but it is. It's a, it's a process of learning. You know how to what play. You know, I'd say it's really, I said I thought early in the season, and I still think they could be. I think this team could be a top one or two team in our league. Um, you know, if they've got you know a lot of they got all five stars back. They've got some experience. They've got veteran guards. So now you have to we have to learn how to win those games when you're when you're at home and, and when you have that differential, especially early. All right, and. Uh... The turnovers were – I mean, Newton had some bad, lackadaisical turnovers. And uh, – He had seven. Yeah, you just – a lot of live ball turnovers. You can't have those against a team like UCF. Knights made him pay. Here is uh, Do- Joe Dooley on uh, – just not turning it over as much. I think some of them were, were, were self-induced. I think some of them was their, their pressure. I think the more we see these type of pressure that Central Florida and Houston and – uh, you can't simulate practice. You can't simulate the athleticism that Memphis has. So the more we see it, I think the more the game will slow down. And that's, you know, that being said, you know, we shot 53%. We shot it well from three. And, but, you know, we've got to make sure we, we get a, a shot or a good shot every time down the floor. And if we do that, if we cut those to 16 or, you know, our average is about 12. That's probably another eight to 10 points, and you're not in this situation. So obviously, uh, Ben, uh, to Ben's credit, is a real avid uh, supporter would be fair, but I mean, I think you cover the team because you enjoy covering the team and you want to see them succeed. Absolutely. But you're fair in your coverage, and I think we all are. There were some things I certainly, I mean, 
you can't blame one guy. It wasn't all Joe Dooley's fault. It wasn't all the players' fault. It was a a consensus across the board. And I mean, they've got a tough, tough assignment Saturday. Yeah, no doubt about it. And they could have won the game by forty last night, and it still was going to be a tough assignment on Saturday. Next two games on the road are incredibly difficult. Yeah, Houston and Memphis. That's yeah. That's, that's and it's the only meeting with Houston this year. I mean, it's just you. I mean, Houston went to the Final Four last year. And guess what? Houston could go to the Final Four again this year. So, hey, we've done it before. I've seen it with my own two eyes. I was there. I know, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> Excuse me. That um, I, I just – the thing I'm concerned about, the, the student turnout was great. The momentum is really good as far as – I mean, we had – I had people inquiring for tickets – not just for the Memphis game, for last night, which is good. And in order to keep that going, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't let what happened last night, as disappointing as it was, deter you from realizing it's a legitimate basketball program. Absolutely. We'll have more on this tomorrow. Thanks to uh, Chancellor Rogers for joining us. Great job, as always, by Ben Byram. Brian Mull talking ECU and college hoops tomorrow. And uh, we'll have a show. And then I think Friday we're going to do a best of because of the weather situation. So... Uh, more on that tomorrow. We'll have a little better idea. We'll probably get Pod Sawyer on tomorrow to let us know what's going to happen, too. Oh, okay, there we yeah. go. Yeah, we'll Pod Sawyer action. So uh, tomorrow, Patrick Johnson Show. Join us then. Podcast 943thegame.com. Have a great rest of your evening. If you have a friend that's going through a tough time, now is the perfect moment to reach out. Learn how to start the conversation at SeizeTheAwkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation. I'm in the studio with my friend Sproul Alexander, who is the Senior Vice President for Town Insurance.